we go again. Let's go! Round one, fight! Copy that. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Time to kick ass and chew bubble gum. I'm all out of gum. Welcome to Decades of Gaming, where we take a look back at almost half a century of gaming. On this episode, we're talking about Superman, WWF Warzone, Halo Combat Evolved, Devil's Third, and more. I'm Adam Bishop, and I'm joined by my always part-time gamer. Dan Collins. I said my part-time gamer. I know. Not my part-time like- <laughs> I, I am your part-time gamer because we game together. It's true. Lots of gaming. Lots Ooh. of gaming. <laughs> uh, this is our second episode. First episode went really Hooray. well. You thought, are we going to return for more? Damn right. We've returned. And with a vengeance. <laughs> episode two with a vengeance. Yes. Yeah. Episode one. Uh, I thought episode one was really good. Yeah. So I guess we should jump right into it. Um, first decade goes to you, Dan. The first decade goes to me and I'm, uh, I'm, cheating on this one and instead of picking the 80s i'm going a little earlier to 1979 and the release of superman on the atari 2600 so this i've never you've never played this game oh just wait just you wait until you you hear about this game so uh, it was released in 1979 published by atari the developer was john dunn i don't know anything else that um that he has developed but so the details of this game, you know, it it's a Superman game. You control Superman. You have to repair a bridge that Lex Luthor destroyed. You capture Lex Luthor and a gang of his cronies. You find a phone booth to change back at the Clark Kent and return to the Daily Planet in the shortest time possible. Uh, in 1979, this game was ranked very high, highly and widely considered to have amazing graphics and be one of the best <laughs> games ever released. Aren't all Atari games just blocks? So there, there, yeah. there are graphics, but they're not even shaded. It's just a solid color. I was watching a review of this game, uh, like a current review from a few years ago. And the guy... On purpose? Yeah, in, in preparation. <laughs> and a guy was like, the guy was like, you can see like there's the um, graphics for Lois Lane and Superman are really good. And I squinted at the screen and I was like, that's Lois Lane. I thought that was a part of the background. You know, like, it's just like, they're so, because they're just so pixelated, whatever, you know, it is what it is, right? It is what it is, but yeah, it's an Atari game. So this was actually one of the first single player games for the Atari. And it was one of the earliest ever licensed video games because this was released as a tie-in to the 1978 Superman movie. Um, here's an interesting fact that you might think is cool or hate. Uh, this was built using the prototype code for the game Adventure. But <gasps> Love Adventure. it was actually published before Adventure. So the code was made for Adventure and then they used it on this game and got this game out before Adventure came out. So I feel like we'll talk about Adventure at some point on the show. I was thinking about doing it in a future episode. Yeah, well. so we won't get into Adventure right now. But yeah, so I thought you would find that that was uh, pretty interesting. It is. So that's that's what I have for the like story and stuff. And now I'm on to my personal history with this game. Okay. So I've mentioned, I don't know if I've mentioned it in this podcast, but I certainly mentioned it on the A Kind of Garbage podcast when we were talking about video games one episode, that uh, my, my, my dad believed the Nintendo Entertainment System was the tool of the devil, and <laughs> we weren't allowed to own one for a, a long time. 
but we were allowed to own an Atari because, you know, probably because he looked at the graphics and was like, well, you can't even tell what that is. So it's okay. So we had an Atari and I had all of these terrible Atari games and good games, but mostly terrible Atari games. Like, you know, it's the kind of thing where you would just go around to yard sales on a Saturday morning and pick up Atari games for a nickel or 10 cents. And maybe they worked, maybe they didn't work. Maybe they were good. Maybe they were bad, but it didn't matter because they were literally just five cents, 10 cents. Maybe if you're lucky, your, your mom would give you 50 cents to buy an Atari game. And so I'm pretty sure that I picked this one up at a yard sale somewhere when I was like six or seven in the mid to late 80s and was playing it on the Atari. And the thing about picking up a a game from a yard sale, I just picked up the cartridge. There is no instruction manual. There's no internet at the time to tell me anything about this game. So I literally had no idea what I was doing. The game starts with you like as Clark Kent, and then you have to go into a phone booth and turn into Superman, which I was able to figure out because the phone booth is the only thing that even remotely looks like something in this entire game. So I was like, okay, (laughs) that's, that's clearly a phone booth. Perfect. Superman, he's got to go into the phone booth. I got this. So I go into the phone booth. And then from there, I literally had no idea what the story was at all. So like, as I mentioned before, the storyline is that Lex Luthor blows up a bridge. Um, And so you have to find the pieces of the bridge and bring them back to the bridge screen to make the bridge complete. But I didn't even know it was a bridge he blew up. I looking at it now, I can see it's a bridge. But at the time, I was just like, he just something blew up. I don't know what it is. (laughs) So like, I didn't know that I needed to go find pieces to bring back to this thing. And also there are these um, kryptonite satellites, I'll say satellites in quotations, because they're just green X's on your screen that randomly fly across the screen. And if they hit you, they depower you and Lois Lane has to come kiss you to give you your powers back. That's amazing. (laughs) So I believe it's a kiss from, from my research. Um, Wink, wink. (laughs) Wink, wink. So, but like literally until I watched the, like, a review on this in preparation, I didn't even know that these were supposed to be kryptonite satellites. Like they literally just look like a green X. So I think you get spoiled if you play Pitfall because Pitfall's probably the graphics aren't great, but that's probably the most iconic game for actually having items that look like things. Yeah, Pitfall is is a pretty okay game. Just okay, and I agree. <laughs> <laughs> pretty okay for the Atari amazing but pretty okay so now now I want to talk about the sound the sound to this game is just awful I'm gonna play a little clip I'm gonna play a little clip here of the sound so that everybody can get a little taste of this amazing sound here so every time you're flying that fax machine being put through a shredder sound is happening wow that, that's bizarre the entire game your just listening to this awful sound and it's just the worst and there's also um okay so in this game superman has three powers he has his flight um he has x-ray vision and i don't know something else i can't remember but the thing is is that without having a booklet to know that you have powers when you push the button to see your x-ray vision it's like randomly like shows you the screen Like if you're holding up, it'll show you the screen above you. And if you're holding left or right or whatever, it'll show you those screens. But 
I didn't know. So I thought like it was warping me to these screens or something. Like I had no idea. I literally would play this for hours without any idea what I was doing. And here's the really unfortunate part. I watched a complete walkthrough of this game in preparation and it was two minutes. The entire game is two minutes long and I played this for hours without making any progress because I didn't know what I was doing. That's amazing because as you found out today, when this episode gets uploaded to YouTube, I'm going to put gameplay footage on the screen. It's going to be two minutes looping forever. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can find gameplay of somebody playing it worse and it'll be six minutes instead. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> super man. Yeah. Super man. Yeah. So like this, this to me, that sound, I picked this game for the sound because as soon as I was thinking about like what, what games like jar this, just a memory in my head. And, and immediately I thought about the horrible, horrible sound of this one. And I was like, I'm going to do Superman because it was so bad. And because I made zero progress and just had no fun playing it, but I still played for hours trying to beat it. Um, so I think that that's, uh, that's, that's my first pick Superman for the Atari 2600. Very nice. I shall never play this game, <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to watch a video of it later and it's only gonna be two minutes of my time. So yeah, I wonder, is that the very first, I, that won't be the first superhero game, would it? I don't know. I didn't say in, in my research, I didn't find that. But because you think usually that that would just be readily available as information. So maybe not, but I'm not 100% sure. Nice. Superman. Atari. What year again? 1970? 1979, baby. Ooh, I was not born then. I wasn't born then, just barely. All right. My game number one is WWF Warzone. This was released on the Nintendo Game Boy, the PlayStation 1, and the Nintendo 64. For Game Boy, it was released June 1st, 98. PlayStation was July 24th, 98. And Nintendo 64 was August 11th, 1998. So that's interesting because the Game Boy was the first version of this released. But I'm talking about the Nintendo 64 version, which is the one that I owned and own again because I did rebuy it down the road. So all three versions of the games were released in Europe. Once again, none of them in Japan, which is interesting because they do have wrestling games in Japan, but I guess because this game was published by Acclaim Sports and developed by Aguana West, maybe they don't have a publishing arm and no Japanese uh, developer wanted to publish it for them. Um, I want to mention too that the Game Boy version was developed by Probe Interactive and of course published by Acclaim Sports. The genre of this game, sports fighting, no shock there. In, in my opinion, this is the very first big wrestling game to be released in the wrestling boom. So the boom being that, that attitude era of the 90s where everyone loved wrestling and it got huge ratings. You had the, the two big companies, WWF and WCW, warring with each other like around this time. So this game came out after the NWO was formed in WCW. ECW wasn't really known by a lot of people, probably still at this point, even though it's 98 and that's two years before ECW went out of business. I, even I wasn't a fan of ECW until I think like 99 maybe. This game has lots of acclaimed stylings in it. And if you've ever played an acclaimed game, a lot of them use almost like the same template. So you have the same menu structure, you have the same animations for those menus. And then once you get into the game, it, it just becomes a standard wrestling game. And <laughs> acclaim, I believe they published some of the uh, Mortal Kombat games in arcade. 
Actually, that would have been Midway. But Acclaim has, oh, shit, I know what it is. McLean published NBA Jam, and they eventually stole mm. that license away from Midway, just the name NBA Jam. So the menus, if you've ever seen NBA Jam, that's what these menus look like. For Mortal Kombat, Dan, I assume you've played Mortal Kombat, right? Finish him. Finish him, yeah. Mortal Kombat, the way that moves work is you would hit like back, back, four, B. And th- that would do like, let's say, get over here, like the, the Scorpion yep. hook. This wrestling game works the exact same way. So it's not like the standard wrestling games where you would hit A to grab a person and you hit left B to do a move. You would have button combinations for all of your moves. So when you're playing this game, you're literally hitting start and go into your move list because the moment you grapple with someone, you have to look at your move list because everybody's moves have different button combinations. It's not like The Rock and Stone Cold will both have like a move allocated to like down B or back down B. My DDT could be like back down B. Dan's DDT could be like up, up four down B. There's no consistency in the way the moves were handled. <laughs> some, some of them, yes, but the majority, no. And I think this is the first North American wrestling game to also have create a wrestler or create a superstar or whatever they called it back then. Visually, you, you had okay customization. Moveless, you could only pick preset moveless. So you had all the wrestlers. And then I think you had five or six presets of just like random wrestlers but one was called like power moves and it was like clearly goldberg's move set because your finisher was the jackhammer and that's literally the only one that i remember but people would you just make your characters in this you got stat tracking so if um uh, back in the day uh, my friend rob and i played this game religiously and what would happen is rob would play this game probably every single day because i know that um i'm going to tell one of rob's stories and he's probably like wait what <laughs> I remember that Rob telling me he would always call Blockbuster. No, he wouldn't even call them. He would always bike up to Blockbuster or Microplay. I can't remember which. I think it was Blockbuster to see if they had this game in stock because they never did. So every day after school, Rob would bike over to Blockbuster to see if WF Warzone was in. And it it wasn't. But I think Rob eventually just bought it. Like the guys at Blockbuster would see him coming and be like, ah, WWE kid again. We don't have it. Get out of (laughs) here. But good for him for having dedication and I remember him telling me like the bike ride was great it was like lots of exercise getting excited and then being disappointed once you get there <laughs> when you had your own created player if you if I went over to Rob's place or he came over to my house or we went to our friend Hal's place which we also played this game there you could have your own created wrestler on your memory card and you could bring over your controller or just your card but I think most people just bring their controller with them you would all load up your wrestlers. And I remember like we would legit have fights about it. Your stats were tracked. So your wins were tracked, your losses were tracked, everything. It also told you how many title belts you had. So you could challenge your friend to a title match. Now with the belt, it didn't say what title you had. It just was like belts and like Rob that probably had like 17 because you could play the single player story mode over and over again. So you could win I think it was like four or five belts just in the story mode. So he probably had like a hundred belts, let's be honest. But I remember like us like literally just getting pissed because we would take each other's belts and I didn't play the story mode over and over again. So I didn't have that many. I know that at one point this game, you can make a female wrestler as well. And there was a game shark code where the female characters have to have a shirt on clearly. But if you use the game shark code, you could make it so the male's chest appeared on the female's body which means you you got a topless woman in your game through this cheat code. And I remember Rob had that. He also had a character, I think he, I can't remember what the character's name was, but he's just this massively jacked guy and all of his stats were maxed out, which you can't do in the game. And that was through unlimited 
points for your character just to give him all the stats. Yeah, for this game, like when I got my Nintendo 64 for Christmas, this was the game I got. Also this and Doom 64, which was really dark. And my dad went to play it with me and there's no multiplayer in Doom 64 for the Nintendo 64, which is shocking because that's like first person shooter deathmatch game. When I got my 64 on Christmas, we had to go to my grandma's place and I literally brought it with me. And I asked her, like, Grandma, can I hook this up to the TV? And I don't think she liked me, but she... <laughs> I wasn't allowed to hook it up to the main TV. I had to go to her bedroom where she had like a, I think it was a black and white, like eight inch TV or 13 inch. And I hooked up to that and I ignored everybody in that house for the entire day (laughs) while I was playing this, had my own character. I don't remember what his name was, but all my wrestling characters now are called Adam Bash, which is my wrestling (laughs) name. (laughs) But yeah, like this is a game I absolutely love. It it didn't have a lot of production value in it. And there was a sequel called WWF Attitude. And that game is what you would call a standalone expansion by today's standards, where you got the exact same engine. You just got enhancements to it and a lot more characters. And I remember getting that game being excited to play a brand new wrestling game, but also probably one of my first disappointments when I realized this is the same game with a new coat of paint on it. Some things were improved, but it didn't feel like a new game. And like that sucked. But WF Warzone, so many good memories playing this. It does not hold up by today's standards. (laughs) Yeah. The second one that you said, when did that one come out? WWF Attitude would have been a year later. Like 99-ish? Yep. Because I feel like I, I... When I was in college, me and two or three friends, we would play a wrestling game all the time. And it was probably one of those two because that was I was in college in like 99, 2000. Uh, So I probably played your games. (laughs) Acclaim did make the ECW games down the road as well once they lost the WWF license. And the ECW games are, it's the exact same thing. It's just a new coat of paint. The first one came out and it was horrible. And there's so many issues with it that they released in the same year a follow-up to it. But the follow-up didn't come out for the Nintendo 64 because that was at the end of the N64 life cycle. It did come out for, um, I think both came out for PlayStation 1. And both did come out for the Sega Dreamcast, which is my preferred way of playing them, which I own both of them on, I guess they're um, shit. They're, I was going to say UMDs, but the Dreamcast discs, I can't remember what they're called. And when you're talking about um, the ECW game being so broken, they had to release another game. That certainly doesn't happen with wrestling games now, right? Oh, that's, that's all that happens with <laughs> wrestling games now. They just pretend like they're patching them and working really hard to make them better because all the wrestling games for the last few years have fucking sucked, except for Fire Pro for the PC and PS4, which will be a future episode. Oh, well, so have you played any of the uh, ones? Because you're you're everybody knows you're a big wrestling nerd, right? Yeah, the wrestling game that I'm playing right now, which I wasn't going to talk about it in our What Are We Playing slash What we bought a segment in the future so i can do that right now which is wrestling empire by i think it's um m dickie for the nintendo switch and it's amazing because it's it's an indie game made by one guy and it controls pretty much like the best wrestling game wwf no mercy slash wrestlemania 2000 for the nintendo 64 it's just not visually it's not polished it's not like that triple a game or even a b game this is like a D game, but it's so much fun and he's constantly updating it. But yeah, I will still play wrestling games. I will not play the 2K games because they suck balls. They're they're all bad. They're none of them are good since I don't even know when. Did you um do you ever play the like really old like Royal Rumble game for the Nintendo? 
they're like yeah, the they're, like Hulk Hogan and like all those classic like that the cult before the Attitude Era. Are you thinking WWF WrestleFest, the one that was in the arcades? Uh, there was wasn't there one that was released on the Nintendo? The I didn't play the NES games. The Super Nintendo games I did. They did. I think they did have a WWF Royal Rumble. They definitely had a WWF Raw, but there was a WWF Royal Rumble and the Sega Dreamcast, and it was in arcades as well. And that game was uh, it was it looked good, but no. The NES games, I never played those ones. They were just, I wasn't a wrestling fan at that time. And by the time I liked wrestling, you had much better games. Yeah. Yes, I see. So it was for the uh, Super Nintendo. WWF Royal Rumble 1993. Yeah, those games have good graphics for their time. They're actually pretty fun. It's just... um, Very arcadey looking graphics, yeah. Yeah, the problem with those games, much like kind of like Fire Pro, is it's hard to line up your moves to actually grab each other because you think you're going to touch each other and then you kind of just like walk past because you're not lined up properly. So that's one of the things that those games definitely was a struggle with. Oh, it's the the WrestleMania one. Is that the one with like Doink the Clown and Undertaker and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels? Yeah, yeah. That was an amazing. That one was also made by Acclaim slash Midway, I believe. And that one, you had a health bar. So you beat up your opponent. And the moment they're all out of health, you would automatically pin them and win the round. So that that one was a, like an arcade fighting game. I wouldn't even consider that a wrestling game, but that's a super fun game. Yeah, I'm just looking back through to see if there's older ones, older games, because... Like, I remember an older one. So there was a WWF WrestleMania in 1989. But this one, like this practically, uh, it looks like, um, what's the, like, it looks like Mike Tyson's punch out or something. Like, that's the graphic style on it. Developed by Rare from 1989. But that's not uh, the one that I played. No, if it was the arcade one. Maybe I'm I'm going to check out WrestleFest just to see. Because WrestleFest does actually kind of look like what I was thinking. WrestleFest actually looked like the WWF action figures. Like that's the way, like those small ones that you'd push down, they launch. Where you'd squeeze their legs and they would move their arms like the Bushwhackers and Legion of Doom. Yeah. I just remember playing the Royal Rumble. I don't, I don't know if I had this game or if it was just one that I rented and playing the Royal Rumble as much as possible because like that was everything as a kid, the Royal Rumble. The Dreamcast Royal Rumble game that I mentioned, it was mm-hmm. an arcade game. So like you would go to the arcades and play it. And then when they brought it over to the Dreamcast, you could have, obviously you had the Royal Rumble, which was the main attraction. You could have a bunch of guys in the ring, but you could do single player, like one-on-one matches but you couldn't go outside of the ring during those matches. So it was basically like, I think every match was a lumberjack match, which means if you fall out of the ring, you have to go right back in. You can't do anything at the side, but a lumberjack match, you would generally have lumberjacks outside of the ring that would like beat you up and throw you back in. They're just not there, but you automatically go back into the ring and it, it wasn't great. It just, but it had a lot of cool things, but it was definitely an arcade game, which wrestling games are very hit or miss for arcade games. WF, WWE All-Stars for Nintendo Nintendo 3DS and 360. Check those out. Those are fun arcade games. I could get this. If I could get this uh, WWF Super Nintendo Royal Rumble in the like Nintendo eShop, I would buy it right now. Oh, that's a licensing nightmare. Everyone's dead from those games. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the issue with licensed games. Once once those licenses are gone, like nobody wants to revive them for how much it costs and how much you're going to make off of it. Uh, wrestling fans are weirdos and have lots of money, right? It seems so. <laughs> that's it. What's our next title? Next title is... Halo Combat Evolved, release date November 15th, 2001, 
released on the Xbox, published by Microsoft and developed by Bungie. Bungie developed Halo, Halo 2, 3, Halo ODST, Reach, and then they moved on from the series and developed Destiny 1 and 2. Boo, Destiny, nobody likes Boo, you. Boo, I've never, I've never played them and I never will. They're online only and Destiny 1, I don't even think those servers are up anymore. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they went... They were shut down like a year or two ago. Yeah. So the details of the game, Halo Combat Evolved or Halo CE as Wikipedia claims people have shortened the name to, which is ridiculous because I've never heard anyone say Halo Combat Evolved or Halo CE. Literally, when I was telling you which games I picked and I said Halo and you went, oh, Halo 1. You didn't say Halo Combat Evolved. You said Halo, (laughs) Halo 1. It's called Halo 1, people, not Combat Evolved. Who cares? Anyway, yes, if you've been living under a rock for the past 20 years, this was a launch game for the original Xbox console. To me, this game starts off with a very iconic beginning where you're on a spaceship under attack and then you become, you know, your master chief and you learn your various moves as he's like coming out of stasis or something. And then you have to fight your way across the spaceship before it's abandoned and crashes onto a mysterious ring world. Master Chief and his AI Cortana start fighting on the surface against aliens called the Covenant who worship the ring or halo, if you will, believing it to be a religious artifact and of religious significance. And then along the way, you come across a amazingly disgusting parasitic race called the Flood, who I still find creepy to this day. And you learn that the Halo Array is actually a super weapon meant to wipe out all life for millions of miles in order to prevent the Flood from spreading across the universe. So of course, Master Chief destroys the Halo Ring. And that's a terrible description of the game, but that's the gist of the, uh, the plot for the game. Some fun facts that I learned about this one. It started off as a real-time strategy game. On what platform? I don't know. Ooh, it was originally, yeah, it was originally being developed for the Mac. Yeah, it sounds about right. (laughs) Damn, damn Macs. Yeah, so a real-time strategy game before they realized that it would be a lot more fun if you drive the vehicles rather than just positioning them around the map. And then it became a third-person shooter before eventually becoming a first-person shooter. And it's basically being called the father of modern-day first-person shooters. I would say that GoldenEye is, well, GoldenEye is the father of the grandfather, I guess, of modern day console first person shooters the reason i think that they would say this is the father of the first person shooters is because of the mechanics that they put into the game mechanics like the fact that you can throw a grenade while still holding your weapons that they they had a um the actual like shooting mechanics they had it programmed to interpret what you meant to do and shoot there rather than what you actually did so like it was the first sort of first guiding on shooting to help you actually hit the target rather than you know your joystick just flying all over the place i remember i remember playing halo one at a friend's place and hating it only because um we had to like swap controllers back and forth and i play inverted for first person and third person shooters and they would not let me invert my controls so i would go to look down which is pushing up on my controller and i would then look up so yeah i didn't have a good experience playing this one halo 2 however mm, beautiful game. 
Chef's Kiss for Halo 2. Oh, Halo 2 is beautiful. Like, oh, fuck, so much fun. So many stories of that game. Anyways. So this is uh, this is one of my all-time favorite games, I would say. By far, my favorite first-person shooter, or at least the my favorite first-person shooter I've ever played couch co-op on. I've been, like, when I picked the game, I was like, when did I even get an Xbox? Like, I can't even remember when I got an Xbox or why, but I feel like I bought it from an EB Games in Belleville off of a guy named Ian, and I and then I ended up working with Ian's sister at Music World before Music World went out of business, but that was 15 years ago to 20 years ago, and it's all blur- blurry. So I don't know how, but I ended up playing the, uh, the entire game with my girlfriend at the time, who is now my ex-wife. We played through on couch co-op and uh, that has nothing to do with why she's my ex. We managed to actually beat the game together. We were a great team. You know, I would run and gun and she would hang back. And then when I died, I would respawn wherever she was. So that's uh, that was uh, how this worked. It's a great story. Like, I really like the story of Halo, the story from the from the game fighting across the like open grassy plains and having like these ships come down to try to kill you sometimes you're riding the warthog jeeps across the train running and gunning the levels featuring the flood were probably the creepiest thing i had seen as a a, outside of a resident evil game and the music the music of this was so good um except when my upstairs neighbor is playing it at full blast and cursing his face off because he sucks at the game <laughs> which happens to me on a weekly basis here but like the choral music they have like for the series it's just amazing i love it every time they turn it on i'm like at least the music is good and like this is this is uh this is a franchise like this is a big franchise i was preparing for this podcast and i saw a video on youtube that was like the halo mythology and i watched it and it was 37 minutes long going through the mythology of the halo universe and it was great like i there's there's so many great storylines spread out across the different games and it's really gotten me thinking about buying an xbox so i want to replay these the halo games because they were uh, so much fun and i have I have actually I, a lot of stories about playing co-op in Halo 3 because that was the first game I ever played online co-op uh, with anybody. But no stories about Halo 1 playing co-op except for beating it with my my ex. Have you uh, seen any of the related material like the Halo Forward Unto Dawn movie? No, I've never watched anything Halo um, other than playing Halo 2 religiously like every night. And then I think I, I dabbled with Halo 3. I didn't care because Halo 2 was so good, but I think I did play Halo 3. But yeah, I haven't watched any of their uh, lore movies. Yeah, well, Halo 4 Forward Unto Dawn was a great movie that I watched. It was released as like 15 minute web posts or whatever, and then compiled into a movie. And it features like, it's a very low key movie where you're following some young cadets in the academy as it's under attack and you know you watch half the movie before master chief he even shows up and he's only there for a few minutes or whatever because it's about the other characters and the program rather than master chief coming in and just kicking butt and it was a really good you know subtle kind of halo movie um have you ever watched the red versus blue yeah um i i was never like a massive fan of it that was done by machinima i believe um they used the first halo and the way they recorded is if you used i think it was the pistol and zoomed in you didn't get any of the hud so they used that to record the game and then halo 2 i think they put um a better way for that actual group to record their videos 
the developers Bungie, that is. Yeah, I actually I, I've never watched Red versus Blue, so I don't know if it's something I would enjoy or not. It's it's fan films using the in-game engine and then guys voicing over it. it it's okay. It uh, probably Wait, hasn't so aged that well. You mean it's it's kind of like when my kids are watching Minecraft videos that somebody playing and then doing a voiceover of something stupid. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. <laughs> So Halo 2 is your favorite game from the series? Definitely, yeah. That was the one where you play as the Arbiter as well, right? Oh, I've never played single player for that game. <laughs> You've never played single player? <laughs> no. I I bought... The reason why um, I originally got my, my first Xbox is the Xbox came... Not the Xbox. Halo 2 came out and my friend Hal bought it and we would play together. And I think I even bought... Um, Oh no, I, I would just be his guest player because you could play online and your friend could do split screen with you. And what happened is his original Xbox literally broke the day after Halo 2 <laughs> came out. So what I did is I, I went to our local EB Games and I bought an Xbox. I bought the Crystal Edition that came with Crimson Skies and Fable. And I bought it and I brought it over to his house. I'm like, here use this until yours gets fixed. And then once yours gets back, I can take this home and we can play together online. And that's how I got an original Xbox. Nice. Yeah. It, and it seems people are probably like, that's insane. You bought an Xbox. So your friend would have one to play. I'm like, yeah, of course I did. So it's like literally one of my best friends and just the devastation in his eyes when his Xbox no longer turned on, he had to ship it out <laughs> to get it repaired by Microsoft. I don't even know if he shipped it out or if his uh, mom had to buy him a new one. But yeah, I, I bought that system. I left it at his place until he got a new one. And then I took it home once it, it was mine again. <laughs> That's that is a little insane for mostly just like how you had enough money to buy an Xbox. <laughs> I think they're only 300 at that point. I'm, I'm not, I can't you say how old were you, though? I would have been in I would have I think I was in high school. I don't know. That might be <laughs> 2002. Let's let's look up when Halo 2 came out. Well, Halo 1 came out in what did I say? Two. What did I even say? I wasn't listening. Halo 1 came out in 2001. So Halo 2 is probably 2002 or 3. Halo 2 was November 9th, 2004. Really? That long? Okay. Yeah. So I I would have been, yeah, I would have been out of high school at this point. So yeah, I I was working a part-time job and I probably put it on my visa. (laughs) Uh, yeah, and you're probably still paying for it. Oh no, that that visa's long expired. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's my that's my Halo my Halo Two moment. And yeah, we would play so many games online, and that game had true skill. So you didn't rank up; you got matched with people at the same ranking as you. So I think yeah. the highest I got was like 32. And the moment I'd hit 33 by winning enough matches, I would get decimated and I just get kicked back down to 32. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm a 32. <laughs> you know, your rank 32. 32. Um, yeah, that's that was one of the things with the Halo 3, I think, playing online. I remember like, I, you know, what? I like playing um, this sort of uh, uh, the kind of games that we play online now where it's just random people and you're not really playing together with a bunch of people because then you have nobody to let down like i always hated playing uh teams with halo and stuff because i would always be the weakest guy in the team and everybody else would be mad at me (laughs) you know so but yeah i remember like i played a lot of online for halo 3 i believe and then had kids when i had kids i stopped playing online because there was too much going on didn't have enough time yeah halo combat evolved Halo CE or just Halo 1 if you're a normal person from 
November 2001 is one of the, in my mind, one of the greatest uh, first person shooters out there. Right on. So on to my number two pick, which is Devil's Third. Devil's Third was released on the Wii U and was also available on PC for the Japanese online only market. So that was never in North America on our PC side or like on Steam or whatever it was. It was released December 11th, 2015 for the Wii U. And on PC in Japan, it was June 8th, 2016. This one was published by Nintendo and Valhalla Game Studios for the Wii U. And then there's a group called Nexon for the PC version of it. It's a action adventure, first person, third person, hack and slash shooter. It's all these genres mixed into one. And this game has an insane history because it started as an Xbox 360 game that was going to be published by Microsoft. That fell through. THQ was going to be the next publisher for it and was going to bring it to Xbox 360, PS3, and the PC. But THQ went under in 2013. Then a South Korean company called Dobik was going to produce it and publish it on multi, like a multi-platform release. They didn't really specify what consoles, but it would probably be the exact same thing. That fell through. And then finally, Nintendo came in. And um, I'm going to mispronounce his name. Tomobu Itagaki is the creator of this game, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But he did Dead or Alive, Ninja Gaiden. Um, He worked at Tecmo, I believe, was the studio. But he got fired from there um, because I think he had sexual harassment allegations against him, which I guess isn't surprising for somebody who like created Dead or Alive and Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball. (laughs) So when this game, when this game came out for the the Wii U, the first time I saw it, like I wanted to play this because it looked really bad. It came out in 2015, but it reminded me of a Dreamcast game from 15 years prior. Like that's what the quality was. It was a first person shooter mixing with hack and slash. And I was sold day one. I, I bought it digitally. I think I beat it in two or three play sessions. And when you do it, it unlocks a bunch of in-game money for you, which then you can play online. And nobody would like nobody played single player. Everybody was online. So I beat the game. I went online. I had all this money. I decked out my character with like a bunch of like amazing things. And I suck. I'm so bad at it. <laughs> And everyone else has like no gear on because nobody's bought the in-game money to deck their guys out. But here's me running around with all this shit. And they're probably like, look at this guy. Let's get him. Or like, let's get <laughs> our team. And it's like, no, 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 I'm bad. And I even told them, it's like, no, play the single player. It gives you this much money, which wasn't like, I, I never read that anywhere. And I guess they just didn't play it. I'm trying to remember what the story is. You're a assassin. You're just this bald guy with tattoos all over your body. There's... um. I'm remembering from memory. There's, I should have wrote this down. Something happened that like knocked out all the satellites in space and then disabled communication on earth. And now it's just like warring factions, government and military, like bad guys, like almost like a lot of them are samurais. Some of them are just like soldiers. And it's, it's bizarre. Like it doesn't make sense. You can watch this game on YouTube, just like any game being played where you can watch like a super cut of all the cutscenes, So you just get the story. And I recommend it because it's stupid, but it, it was a really fun game. And it's one of the more rare games for the Wii U, which was a, a short-lived console. I, I remember buying it hearing other people looking for the game and no stores got it because apparently if you didn't pre-order it that store never received one because it was such a small print run and if you can find one unopened it's worth a lot if you find one open it's still worth a lot but at the same time not for the gameplay though yeah not for the gameplay just to complete their collections because lots of people um 
collect full libraries of games. And because the Wii U has such a small library, it's very easy to complete that. It's just a game that I loved and it's so wacky. I think um, Game Grumps played it on YouTube. So if you do want to watch two professional comedians, I guess, <laughs> play the game and laugh about it and laugh at how ridiculous it is, then yeah, like look this one up online. I, I loved it because it was just, it was weird. And that's the type of games I usually play are the weird ones, just like Subverse. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not supposed to talk about Subverse ever again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a, I did. I feel like you told me about that game at some point, like as you're describing the publishing history, I was like, I've definitely heard about this. More than likely I've, I've mentioned it. I've, I think I tried to stream this on Twitch and then I was playing it. I'm like, oh, I've already played this. I did not want to play it again, but maybe one day I'll I'll revisit it. So that's it for Devil's Third for myself. I don't have any more games to talk about. So on to my third game. I prepared a third game for the 2020 and on. And the one I'm going to quickly talk about is Animal Crossing New Horizons for Nintendo Switch, which came out on... (laughs) 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 It came out March 20th, 2020, which I think that was the final day of pre-COVID lockdowns. So this one was published by Nintendo, developed by Nintendo EPD, which I don't remember what that stands for. The the genre is social simulation. What what is that? This is chores the game. (laughs) Chores the game. Amazing. Yeah. Where you just, you live the life that you, I guess, wish you had at that point, you wish you had it when this came out, but yeah, it's just a game where you just do your daily routines and it's basically you just look at your dirty room that you're sitting in as you're tidying up your virtual room. The game history for this game, I guess for the series is it was originally released on the Nintendo 64 in J- Japan as Animal Forest on April 14th, 2001. It was ported to the GameCube, which was released in North America. And I think they called it like Animal Forest Plus in Japan. I don't even know if it's still called Animal Forest, but regardless, it's come out on the DS, the Wii, the 3DS. It's had spin-off titles on the 3DS as well, the Wii U and mobile. For myself, I played it a little bit on GameCube. I definitely bought it. Could not get into the game. I don't feel that this is a console game that you can put a lot of time into because it's on your TV. But when it came out on the DS and the 3DS... The 3DS, I picked it up. My girlfriend and I both had copies of it and we would play together. And that, it was the best there. And the Switch just made it better while taking out some other like features and then adding them later on. Like the Switch version is definitely the best one. It's still missing stuff. For myself, when I played it, my favorite thing about the new version is you got a shovel and you could do landscaping. So you could make you can make rivers where you want them. You can move stuff around. You can make hills. I made from the game Perfect Dark the complex map in Animal Crossing. It's just one, I think it's just one or two levels, like height levels because of the way the game works. It might actually only be one level. And then outside of my Perfect Dark level, I made a wrestling arena complete with like a <laughs> Titan Tron, the steel guardrails. My, my ring was in the middle. And then I had folding chairs all around it. And then you, you could visit friends' places. I visited Russell's his world where he had his own wrestling ring in the arena built up and the, the game's so much fun can you guys wrestle together though no we were talking no. about, i was talking to russell the other day and he did say to me it's like we should start a backyard wrestling league and i'm like i'm pretty sure my bones would just like break the moment i step into the <laughs> ring <laughs> yeah so that's animal crossing everyone knows everyone everyone knows about this game it's fun 
I, I got a new switch. I traded mine in for a, a newer model that had better battery life and I didn't transfer my game properly for Animal Crossing. So I lost my world and I'm probably never going to go back to that game because it's so uh, much work. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. I was done playing it anyways. I didn't play it for like five months anyway. So, oh, well. Animal Crossing's dead and buried. It got hit by a truck crossing. That's true. On to our next segment, Dan. What are we playing and what have we bought? I know what we've been playing. I haven't bought anything if we do want to just <laughs> bring that up. Actually, that's not true. I bought something for the game we are playing. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I I haven't bought anything other than something for the game we're playing as well. And yes, unfortunately, Adam and I have been playing Fortnite like a bunch of crazy idiots. Now, with that said, I played Fortnite in the past. I think we talked about it last episode and I enjoyed the game, but playing it with a friend and being able to voice chat at the same time, it just, it brings that game alive and being able to have interaction with a friend and teamwork and going around and being like, where are we dropping? we're friends? Oh, my best friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is the best experience I've ever had playing an online co-op game. And we're pretty good. Like, you're good. I run and get shot. You have to carry me to safety. Revive me. Was it our... You know. Did we get first place on our very first game together? It's possible. I know we also both died with no weapons within the first minute of another match, so... (laughs) Yeah, we um I, I like to think when we play, we at least get two or three, two, three to four, if we're lucky, first place matches in, in duos, because that's what we're playing. Not yeah. the um, not like the fancy feigned like the duos. Ranked, yeah. Yeah, fuck that. I, I played um solo. We're just playing there. fun. Yeah, we're just playing fun. So I tried solo fame mode or whatever it's called. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> I did not get far. <laughs> I I tried um I tried playing solo. And I made it to like the top 25 in one match, but that was because I was driving around in a car and managed to avoid most people. But then the first guy that saw me killed me. So I think we mentioned, well, I think I mentioned on our last episode that the very first time I played Fortnite, it was either my second or third match ever I got first place. And that was after learning the controls. Be like, okay, I got this. But yeah, if if you're a builder, oh my God, like you're going to kill us (laughs) because I hate building, except for when I'm taking my time to do things that have nothing to do with enemies, then I'll build. You like to build up to scout out and stuff. Oh yeah. Now I I love to keep uh, some sort of uh, incendiary device on me to take down the building. So if somebody's building a giant stupid thing in front of us, we just throw a grenade or shoot the flare gun or whatever at them. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of fun playing this. Some fun moments are fun despite themselves, like the time that I died behind the storm and you had to pick me up and run me out of the storm just to revive me. Oh, it's so funny. So many like great fun moments, and maybe we'll have some more fun moments shortly let's play some Fortnite tonight for sure <laughs> yeah so where you have you played anything else or just Fortnite? wrestling empire like i mentioned and that's that's yep. about it yeah not too too much oh no no that's a lie i was uh playing duke nukem 3d on my switch as well i I, I cracked out a bunch of levels that's part of our theme song it's like i got yep. what i got no, I can't remember the quote. I came here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of bubble gum. Yeah. Is that the quote? Classic They Live. I picked that one up. Uh, it was on sale like a year ago or something. And you're like, Dan, Duke Nukem's on sale. Pick it up. And so I did. And I played for like 20 minutes or an hour, but I haven't really gotten back to it. Uh, did you get to the strippers at least and make them shake their titties at you? Oh, you know it. Yeah. So. 
Hail to the king, baby. Dance, baby. <laughs> uh, so bad. So are we going to rate the games? Yeah, I was just about to say, let's get to our rankings. You'll go first. I'll go first. Adam, I have a question. Okay, first of all, just to reiterate, there are no half points in this. So it's a scale out of zero. Well, it's a scale up to five. My question is, does zero count? I would say no. It has to be at least a one. Fine. Then I'll give Superman a one. One out of five. And who would you recommend? <laughs> one to? out of five. This this game is is was a hot mess of garbage for me to play. I would recommend it to people who hate themselves, <laughs> people who don't want to have fun. That's good to know. I will, if I ever want not fun, I shall play Superman. <laughs> yes. So for myself, for WWF Warzone, I unfortunately give it a two out of five. It doesn't hold up. And at this point, when you're rating games as you're playing them, you're rating them based on how they are now. And yeah, Warzone, while it's it could be fun. It's not something that I would want to play through again. I loved the game, but yeah, it's it's a two out of five. It's I think that's a thumbs down. It's if, if you want that nostalgia and then remember how good you thought it was, play the game. Who should play this? Wrestling fans. Really, nobody else. Like, don't <clears> touch <throat> this if you're not a wrestling fan. So for Halo, I would give this a four out of five. I think it's a great game. I haven't played it super recently to know if it still holds up well compared to like what's come in the past 20 years or so but maybe i'll change that and try to get an xbox and the master chief collection and pick this one up and play through again but great story great gameplay great couch co-op experience that i had so great game so for devil's third i'm gonna give this a three out of five it's not a horrible game it's not a great game it's still like that's still like a thumbs up for me i enjoyed it if you want to play a game that is from 2015 and plays like a game from 2000 this is it it's so bizarre there's so many odd choices who should play it action fans first person shooter fans third person shooter fans people who like japanese style games that's this one devil's third like you're gonna have to download it through your switch or sorry your switch through your we use eShop if it's even still on there or you're gonna have to pirate it because i have no idea if you can still get this game sounds good for animal crossing this is a definite four out of five it's not a perfect game there's still some stuff missing from it and you're gonna get bored of it after a while and who should play this casual gamers People who just want to sit back, relax, not do anything. I was going to say tedious, but this is a tedious game. Nothing action oriented. The most action you're going to have is trying to pull a fish out of the water at the right time or run away from scorpions and spiders and bees. Sounds good. That sounds like my normal day. All right. So that brings us to about the end of the episode. Don't forget, you can write us at decadesofgamingpodcast.gmail. If you have played any of these games and you have thoughts about it, tell us. We'll read your letter on air on a future episode. Until next time, though, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at at Decades of Gaming. You can also visit allmylinks.com forward slash Decades of Gaming for all of our links. And you can find myself on Twitter at Presto Adam and on the A Kind of Garbage podcast found at akindofgarbage.com. Oh my God, mouthfuls. Or on any other major podcast platform. And finally on the Hey Kids Comics radio show Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Trent Radio or at heykidscomics.ca. Holy shit. Dan? You can find me on Twitter at DanTheWritingMan or you can check out my music discovery podcast on Spotify. Gather round the listening post. With that said, I'm Adam Bishop. I'm Dan Collins. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next episode where we talk about more games. Games. Game over, yeah.